Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me, the show where we get tips on how to grow your savings, maximize your investments, spot the latest trends in the stock market. Today we're talking with Pamela Chong. She is Senior Financial Services Consultant from the Gen Group. And we're going to talk about why you should be planning for your child's education. Pamela, happy Friday. You're going to be talking to us about a topic that is close to so many parents' hearts. I was just looking at the tuition fee, annual tuition fee. So if, you know, your child was entering engineering the cohort for 2017-2018, and these are your figures, Pamela, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> and they were going to Singapore University of Technology and Design. After the grant, they'd be paying about $12,900. If they were studying engineering at NTU, that's $8,000 or so annually. And you know, it takes about three years to get that degree, right? Yes. And this is after the tuition grant. Correct. And if you're thinking of sending your child overseas to Australia, well, an overseas education for international students start at 20000 and then the average is about over 30000 So uh, that's quite a lot of moolah you'd have to have set aside for your child. So first up, I want to ask you, Pam, based on what you know and the figures that you've come across recently, how much would a parent typically have to save for their child to get a tertiary education in Singapore? Well, if you're narrowing on Singapore alone, it's going to be roughly about 30 over 1000 to 40000 that it's for a three-year course, like an engineering course that you're looking at. Right. And that's excluding living cost. Yes, transportation, <laughs> books. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't come cheap. No, which is why we need to do this show. Do you think there's awareness about planning for an education savings fund, whether as an individual, for you know somebody who's pretty much self-made, or for parents for their kids? I think the awareness level is there. But however, the most important question we should be asking is how do people really save towards this huge amount of money? There are technically about two ways. One is what I call the organised and non-messy way. And that's how people go by, you know, savings plans, investment plans, setting aside a specific amount that's meant for the purpose. The second type is what I call the messy way. I have funds everywhere, you know, fixed these investments. But <laughs> no, when it comes to time, I don't know what to do. So I actually had a client a few mm. years back. Um, he was near to retirement age. So okay. suddenly I get this call. It's like, bam, I think I need a review with you. I'm like, what's up, you know? So he suddenly threw the ball on me and saying that the daughter was performing exceptionally well in terms of academics and she wanted to pursue a medical degree overseas and that's going to come out to be a half a million. So we needed to review exactly how the finances are actually going to meet that particular need. And um, he was then, was about to retire. So having our discussion, we realised that, you know, based on the current lifestyle, they need about 3,000 for both himself and his spouse and they're still healthy. They are able to work for the next 10 years. So he made this really difficult choice of no, delaying his retirement 10 years later at the age of 65. And he decided to remortgage his property just to finance the daughter for this medical degree. Wow. Goodness. Yes. The amount you have to save if your children are smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pam, uh, what are the, some possible reasons you think people delay planning for an education savings fund? Okay, first off, I think first-time parents with newborn kid, you have diaper, you have milk powder, you have medical expenses... 
all these are not within control. So it sort of a delay people's decision in planning. And next up will be families with children below the age of six. So technically, as far as parents are concerned, we love to look after our kids our own. But we can't because we are working. Right. And for certain reasons, grandparents cannot look after the grandchildren. We have to outsource this caretaking methods. And we go to infant care and child care. Yeah, that's expensive. Exactly. I'm a great example. Right. I have two kids myself. Okay. They are the age gap of two years. Imagine, Michelle, I have to set aside 1400 a month before spending on my own. And that was childcare fees for you. Wow. Exactly. How little are your children again? How long will you be spending this 1004 a month? Uh, thankfully, the elder one is off. Okay. So I'm now left with only half of the amount. <laughs> <laughs> for how many more years? My younger one will be going primary school, so I'm going to be relieved of this fund really next year. Okay, one more year to go. Yeah. Half a year. But it's really no joke. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, we hear often of the sandwich generation as well, right? They're trying to raise their kids and take care of their parents at the same time. Exactly. So just treading water when it comes to the next big crisis as it is, mm-hmm. or medical fees mm-hmm. for little ones. Mm-hmm. Not cheap if they have to go and see a no, pediatrician it's not. as well. Not really. Okay, so those are some of the reasons, but you're going you're here to help us get started. So what is the best time to start planning for an education savings fund? Now ultimately the savings amount is there. We have the figures from the university website and all. But all I can minus say, inflation. Um, that's true. Yeah. Minus inflation. That's very true. So I would say if you want a specific age I think the best time, or rather, this good time to start, but not the best time to start, would be at the age of seven for the child. Because you're relieved of all the childcare fees. You have funds that are suddenly freed up. Oh, yeah. So instead of you know, repositioning to buy a brand new car or going for travel, you reposition it to save up for an education fund. That's a good point. You've been doing without the thousand four anyway. So you might as well put it towards something else. Exactly. That is a great point, Pamela. Okay, what steps would we need to take to develop this education savings fund for someone who is absolutely brand new to the whole idea of a fund? Okay, so all parents have this tender loving care for the kids, right? So I would recommend parents to follow by the abbreviation TLC. So firstly, know what situation fee that you're looking at. Because if you have no figures in mind, there's no way to save, right? So L will be for the living cost. Definitely, we have to input inflation. That's going to be there. If not, you're just you know, blindly saving and you never know whether it's going to be enough. And lastly, the cost duration. You know, for engineering, like you mentioned, it's going to be a four-year course, a business, a tree. And if your kids are smarter, medical or law, it's going to take about six years. <laughs> <laughs> she says with a twinkle in her eye. <laughs> oh my goodness, can you give us like an example? Some that we should be aiming for? Okay, if you're looking at an engineering course, I think 40,000. Okay, let's start with that at the baseline. Mm, 40,000. You're probably looking at, no, for a kid that's at seven, if you really start, you have, for a girl, you're going to enter university at the age of 19. That makes it 12 years okay. to save. So technically about 4,000 a year, if you're talking about without interest, without no inflation, no nothing. Just plain, simple saving, 4K a year. You can do it. It's doable. It's doable. Yes. You just have to sacrifice that particular luxury back (laughs) or giving up on the exotic destination of travel. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. Okay, so what, uh, what are the key considerations that we should actually note when we're developing this fund? Where do we put the money? Okay, I think it's important to first and foremost know the gender of your child. 
No, a girl enters at 19. The guys serving our nation is going to be at 21. So you got a bit more time. Yeah, exactly. And the next one is definitely knowing the number of years from now till before your child enters university. And lastly, definitely the commitment and comfort level. Now, starting on an endowment plan, I think it's not easy. It's going to be a long term. So parents have to be mentally and emotionally prepared that I can probably not go to places like Europe and just make do with Asia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I tip my hat off to parents all the time. Okay, so in terms of where they should park their money, does it go direct to a savings account, do you think? I guess there's no right or wrong answer. It just depends on the level of risk appetite that parents are willing to take. Yeah. Now, if we put in the savings account, definitely the money is going to be there, but provided you're not a spender. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to put it there in an ATM, is what we call always take money. <laughs> right. Okay. So the other instrument parents usually will do is just savings plan, whereby you typically lock it up and you have a maturity at the designated timing. And parents are willing to take a little bit more risk will be investments. But then again, I always caution parents that you know, with investments, there's non-guarantees. I cannot determine that you know, the market is going to be at that particular performance when your child needs the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Are there different savings uh, plans that you can share with us? There are several saving plans, yeah. So that's targeted from purely just education, which is like the structured kind. And they are the typical ones that, you know, I saved aside and 25 years, 21 years down the road, I get my money. So these are the usual savings plans that's available, but it really depends on the individual, what they need. Any that's caught your eye? I particularly loved structured education because um, I belong to the saver yet a spender at the same time. That's me too. (laughs) (laughs) So such plans actually help me control the money and it comes on a yearly basis. How does it work? So you save typically for 10 years. Okay. The money starts coming out at the age of 19 or 21. So it can be customized to come out on over three years or four years, which is just in line with the cost of duration for the tuition. Oh, I see, I see. So it comes out after the end of the three years? It's every year. Every year helps with the annual tuition. Exactly. yes. And the risk in that? Because these are savings plans, so there will be risk, but these risks are transformed over to insurance company. They do well, they give you more bonus. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I'm so excited. So you've talked about some common mistakes that we make when planning for an education savings fund. Mistake number one, not planning. (laughs) Not planning at all. Uh, And you say that not planning the maturity payout date to coincide with the start of tertiary education. That's happened? Yes, very often. I guess savings plans always start off with a purposeful goal. And like I said, a lot of savings plans matures like at 20 years, 25 years. Now, if you happen to have your child at the age of four when you start planning and it goes into a 20-year plan, that's not going to come out until 24 years of age. That's too late. Missed the boat. Exactly. And that was exactly my own case. My mother started my savings plans meant for my degree when I was at the age of 21. And that is a 25-year saving plan, Michelle. So today, okay, my age is a secret though. Of course. Today, it's not mature yet. Which means you've got a big payout to look forward to. Mm, well, technically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever ask your mom why she started at 21? Well, back then, to a parent, as long as you say that it is for the purpose of education, 
no parents will reject the kind of savings plan. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's always for the heart for the child. Yes. And you just go on with the plan. Very important to look at the maturity date. Uh, what are some other things that we should be aware of? You shouldn't mistake a life insurance plan, you say, for an endowment plan. Please tell us the difference. Okay, these two plans, you can say they're similar yet different. Similar in the sense, they are just a stack of papers that's filled with alienated numbers. It's all the same to everybody. That nobody can finish this reading. Yeah, exactly. And they have projected surrender values. So I have clients who tell me, you know, Pam, I see the surrender value there. Isn't that an endowment? Yeah. I say, no. The biggest difference is that an endowment plan has a fixed maturity date that will pay you out whatever that you have paid over the years. But a life insurance doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. So that's the most important thing that a lot of people should be aware when they are doing planning. People, you want to look for the endowment plan if you're thinking about your child's education. Okay, any other mistakes that can be easily uh, made? Not planning for flexibility in plans, you see. Yeah, I think the course of um, studies now is very different as you know, during our years. Now schools bring children overseas, you no know, school trips. Or it happened that you know, now parents feel that you know, my child is good in sports. Why not let's nurture them in their you know, sports and delay the entry of university? So these are some factors that could be there, but you no, know, not foreseen. So having flexibility in a plan is going to be a plus point for such scenarios. Okay, so there are some plans that will let you have access to your funds a little earlier or when you need them? Yes. So it all depends on the planner on how they're going to plan that flexibility in for you. Oh, I see. Your planner can help you. Exactly. So it's important to tell your planner what you want. Oh, this is really good. Really, really good stuff. Any Mm. parting notes for parents out there thinking, I've got a little thing, she's four years old, I've been saving her ang powers. Putting it in a savings thing for her, isn't that going to be enough? Okay, I think that it's uh, usually how parents start off saving for kids. The messy approach. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I guess you just have to think of how it is like driving on a road. No, you start early so that you enjoy the journey slowly and you reach there safely. It's as simple as that. There's never the best time. But it's just doing it according to how comfortable you are to make sure that you reach your final destination. It is never too late. So maybe your child is 10 or 14. Start today, right? It's yes. never too late. With whatever that you can apportion aside, I think the, the key is to be disciplined and to keep to it, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and look for those endowment plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Pam, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. We're going to speak with you again, I believe. Pamela Chong is Senior Financial Services Consultant from the Gen Group. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.